conferences, long agendas, big venues, always on your feet, barely getting to see the people that you want to see, and then, of course, the expense. Well, the three of us at Good Morning Hospitality are launching Good Morning Retreats. Our first retreat is this July 8th through the 10th at the Horse Hospitality Training School in Auburn, Alabama. If you go to goodmorningretreats.com, you'll find out more information about our first retreat that we're launching. We have already filled half the slots. We have 20 available and we have about 13 already filled. So make sure you go there, you apply, show your interest, and we'll get you all situated for our first ever Good Morning Retreat. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. And now back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Hey everyone, I was hoping to get this message put together sooner, but things like this unfortunately take time to set up. I just want to say that the acts of war against Ukraine break my heart, and I know as a prior service member myself that my thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's fighting the fight that they really shouldn't have to. That being said, we have been working behind the scenes with all of our podcasts and podcast partners to put a fund together in order to pay for any refugee housing and other needs that go alongside that, like food, water, and any clothing needs. Internally, many podcasts in the Hospitality FM network have voluntarily given up sponsorship money in order to donate to the cause and are working on a unified message in order to spread throughout all of our podcasts. So this is me calling out to all of our property manager friends, industry experts, and anyone knowing of those providing lodging for Ukrainian refugees seeking safety. You can contact me directly at will, with one L, W-I-L, at slicktalkmedia.com. We have an internal document that is being updated in real time. So if anyone could share this message within your network, we'd greatly appreciate it. I'm also placing in the show notes a link to our GoFundMe and landing page for Rentals to Rescue. That's rentals.torescue.com, where we're putting funds together in order to, again, provide finances for any of these lodging and relocation needs. So thank you so much for tuning into this quick message. I hope you guys are all well and safe, as I know we have tons of listeners in Ukraine and other countries in in Europe. So thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Good morning. Good what's morning. Up, what's up? Happy Monday. Best day of the week. Because love of us. Are you guys in love as much as I am? I am. I bought some roses for my wife today. Aww. And she she made 20 balloons with pictures, so she did much more efforts. I bought the rose actually after I get this present. Like now I have to go to the shop. She bought like <laughs> 20 balloons with photos of us and everything. Super sweet. So. And yeah. I... You, Made it right in time to get Oliver and all of his classmates the Valentine's cards and candies that we were supposed to bring on Friday. So 
got it done. It's been a busy, hectic morning, but here we are. Happy Monday. I love it. I love it. And that's why you were late today. I'm, makes sense. Makes sense. Now, got to do what's first uh, priority. So uh, exciting stuff in the industry. We've had a lot happen this last week, I think. Uh, we had our group chat blowing up with articles um, more than normal, which is a good sign. We had a, a little bit of a lull. You know, we had so much NFT stuff to talk about that we kind of forgot everything else in the world. Um, but I'm excited to jump in today because we got some predictions that came true. We got some startups that are doing some cool stuff. And then, of course, you know, whatever else that we may jump into. So who wants to go first? Nose goes or rock, paper, scissors for uh, startup of the week? <laughs> Can't see your hand. Where is the, there. I'll, I'll go first. You start. Okay. Here we go. Let's say hi to grandma. I've got two topics today on what's with the noise. First of all, uh, it is all the silence that you hear at the Olympics. It is a sad thing because I'm I'm a huge fan of the Olympics, but two Olympics in a row, there have been no fans. And it really just takes the excitement and fun and uh, the crowd out of it, if you will. So looking forward to the Paris Olympics in, in two more years, and surely we're going to have fans. Secondly, congrats to the team at Evolve, Brian Egan and company, uh, for a monster raise to take on the giants of the world that have already uh, IPO'd this year, like Sonder and Vicasa. Uh, Evolve's model is a little bit different than Sonder and Vicasa, where they do marketing, booking, guest management, basically getting the guests to the door, and then a, a local team. Uh, that you hire yourself takes it from there for cleaning and uh, maintenance. So kudos to to Brian and, and company. Well done. Looking forward to seeing what you do with this hundred million dollars. It's a lot of money. Yeah, good morning. This morning is special because it's Valentine's Day. So I'm super happy. I want to say that I'm happy with my wife. She's watching probably, so I just have to get to say it. Okay, the start of the week is Emerald Stay. Uh, it's actually it's a startup which actually is a crying vacation rental operators. So uh, what I know and what I heard is they're going to do soon a crowdfunding campaign. Actually, they want to raise more money actually to acquire more companies. They have 21 on the radar and they want to acquire four of them. They did some round already some time ago. They raised 1.7 um, a year ago, and I actually want to do a new round. Um, it's not mentioned how much so far, but uh, soon it will be probably communicated. Do crowdfunding and then acquire others. So the way they want to grow, actually, their business just acquiring others, which is also an approach that you could do. And that's it for today. Sorry about that uh, the little uh, clip mistake. Uh, there, but uh, no, that's uh, interesting that they're going to go acquiring vacation rental management companies. Um, yeah, just a quick question to you two do you guys think it's going to be a come uh, a common thing? Is that providers or OTAs or anything like that are going to just start buying? Um, yes, consolidation will happen. I think what I've learned after seven years in short term rentals is it is, is, and always will be a hyper local business. 
And that's why I really like the franchise model for vacation rentals versus a roll-up strategy and trying to keep it all in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have those local staff that really know the market that have tentacles uh, everywhere uh, to be successful. So yes, I do think there will be continued roll-ups. Um, I'm waiting to see more roll-ups on the, the vendor side, to be quite honest, than, um, than the supplier side, but time will tell. I'm, I'm still holding true to my prediction from uh, earlier in the year that service providers will start buying or creating management companies um, and becoming a operator. I, I'm, I'm in, I'm, but then you're going to be competing with your customers and that's, that's a challenge. It's a, it's a tough look. So, well, I mean, kayak is starting to do it with kayak hotels. So early days, but we'll yeah, see what happens for sure. Um, in the vein of predictions, one of the things that we talked about just a month and a half ago on, on one of our predictions was this discrepancy between geographies and not necessarily having anything to do with business model, but having simply to do with where you're based and how that has an effect on your company during COVID times. And one disturbing article and one promising article that came out this past week, thank you to Focus Wire uh, for breaking the news, was booking has laid off several thousand customer service employees, which never good to do layoffs, never good to do layoffs of thousands of people. And especially in customer service, where we know it's such an important part of, of the travel experience is troubleshooting anything that has gone wrong. Um, but on the flip side of that, we've got uh, their competitor, Expedia, who closes at a record high for profitability. Now, they both play in the same sandbox. One is heavily North American exposed and one's heavily European exposed. And the, the results are, are there. You know, one, one company lays off thousands of people and the other has a record profitability. So that prediction, unfortunately, for one company, unfortunately for the other, has, uh, has taken hold 45 days into the new year. Well, I think it's connected as well. When I spoke with some some hotels, where they said, okay, in the U.S. market, they said they're still we are the occupancy is much higher. We're doing much better in the U.S. market. So of course you see the difference in there. I think it's a bigger thing as well. We have a lot of people from Booking.com who applied actually to work for us in the last month, a lot, actually. And and one of them I spoke yesterday in candidate, and I asked I asked as well why did you apply for us? He said, well, I worked eight years for Booking.com, and actually I just said I stopped believing in their in their uh, actually in, in, in the company. I said, oh, that's actually, that's not, and it was actually, I was surprising actually. And it's not the first one actually. So I don't know what's happening in there. Um, I don't know how the atmosphere also internally, but I think those signs actually, when people also maybe even in different role within the company, see that actually their, their colleagues are actually are laid off. I think it will be bigger impact as well, but let's see what's happening. But I already saw in the last months that there was quite a lot of people leaving the company, even from, from by themselves yeah. because they stopped leaving. So, I mean, we, we saw massive layoffs by Airbnb, like 25% of their staff yeah. at the, the start of the pandemic. Expedia, similar, had, had some really big layoffs. Is this booking just catching up or is it, do you guys think, uh, an actual result of 
the geographies that they're strongest in. Well, if you say customer support, it's pretty related, of course, to, to, to traction, right? What is happening on the platform? So as you would say, if there's not much to do or less to do, or maybe they want to innovate on some stuff, maybe in the way they're doing support, could be. Um, but yeah, it seemed to be there's, of course, a connection with, with transactions there. I'm, I'm really curious what's going to happen because when I talk also to other uh, colleagues in this industry, everybody is struggling to find people. So I think they will be on a hard time in finding people again when they actually have to, well, get, get more people again on board. Or there is it's like a long-term version. So they want to do less customer support and we want to automate more processes and stuff. And there's a different shift. But yeah, it's a huge number of people which actually are are laid off. So I don't know if this is the reason really to the transactions or it's like more a vision is like we want to really focus on more innovation and focus less on what they were selling to the hotels. Like, look, by EA, you might pay 18%, but what you get in return is a customer support in X numbers of languages. That's also how they were selling it to the property. So maybe they have a different approach there as well in vision. Might be. Um, but yeah, maybe it's a, it's a bigger problem. But yeah, let's wait for their for their results. They're not announced yet, so let's wait uh, a few weeks. Yeah, I'll say a mix of geographic location because I know they're definitely heavier in the European market than they are probably in the American. But my biggest thing, kind of like what you just said, Ross, was the, I don't know, they're, if they're trying to automate processes and start doing you know less human activities when it comes to their systems and, and everything that they're doing, one thing that I'm seeing in the industry and just kind of un trying to understand or wrap my head around, and maybe you guys can get this too from like the service provider side, but I feel like everyone is just going so heavy on automation and tech. Like I know tech's solving a lot of problems, but I think there's a point where it gets too much where you try to automate too much. Um, and that's when you're starting to lose the overall experience, the overall human yep. connection part, like from the operator perspective to the service providers perspective. So yeah, my, my biggest concern is that that too heavy of automation is gonna is going to ruin a lot of companies in, in this space. I, I'm with you. I'm if I'm in the the head honcho seat, I'm gonna ease in technology and not axe thousands of heads yeah. right off the bat. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna ease into it. And for one, the the PR damage it does for your company for mass layoffs you know that's going to take a hit on their stock prices i'm sure yeah um versus easing into it and just doing small amounts of cuts as things become optimized or just letting natural attrition because i'm sure those are fairly high uh turnover roles just let that take place and, and not rehire mm -hmm. but you know i'm not a ceo of a publicly traded company yeah. I've never had to make those decisions. Thank goodness. Um, you know, not, not a role I'm envious of, yeah. but to me, it just, it just screams that there, there is still massive inequality of travel and booking volume in North America versus, uh, versus Europe. Yeah. Ross, I mean, you shed some light. You guys have properties in both regions. Yeah. Well, I'm looking now as well if I can find a bit more information because, of course, Booking has a huge workforce in the Netherlands, right? It's the biggest tech company of the Netherlands, I think so. So even though the government wasn't even aware, it was a nice article of Julian sometime, but the government didn't even know that that's like Booking had a few hundred people working for them. So, but it looks like actually I'm checking now what, what could be the reason. And actually what I'm reading now somewhere else 
is that actually they have 14 customer support centers and actually 12 of them will be uh, moved to Mayorel, which is a customer support company. So it could be that they're going to outsource more the support and not doing it in-house. Could be one of the reasons, but it looks like this is actually what, what I can read in here. So yeah. it might be not related directly to to uh, to revenue or, or bookings. Maybe it's like we just want to focus on on different areas and support we can do by by others. And it and it takes forever to fire people in the Netherlands, right? Yeah. So this could be this could have been a year in the making. Yeah. Interesting. You see, we see with quite some companies and that Dutch companies, okay, and that because it's not easy in that uh, need to fire people or the regulations. So in that case, maybe they're working. Uh, they're going to start working with more outsourcing companies. Yeah, Ross, if you could pick up Bidroom and and drop it in any country, where would you put it today? Well, it's a Dutch company. Um, I would say, I think still also when you're looking at investment, valuation, everything, then I would say make it a US, US company, right? It, even though it's not bad to be a Dutch company, we see as well that we have a huge workforce in Poland. The law is changing here a lot. It doesn't make it easier. That's why we're also now checking possibilities open office in, in different countries as well, especially for also for developers. And also just hire much more remotely, which... Before we want to have as much people together in the office. So this is the possibilities now. Being a Dutch company is still okay, but I think the, the most potential, if you look at valuation, some possibilities, I think still it's a company to be US based, uh, has some has some benefits. Yeah. You see as well when the fundraising, if you're talking to investors, and of course when we're talking to to parties, they are, even when you're U.S. based, you can see, of course, the, the investors in the U.S. prefer to invest in U.S. companies as well, right? They know the law, they know the, even though the Dutch ones are not so strange. But you see, for example, Polish companies have really difficulties in raising money because the whole way of, of structuring things or, for example, employer stocks, those things is stop. So I think those things are easier in the U.S. Why That's why it's also sometimes easier to raise money, uh, money there. Yeah. Well, shifting gears, talking about money, like, $100 million for Evolve is a ton of money. Wander raised, was it $20 million on a Series A? Yeah, I saw. I also saw an article that said 30 So I've been, but I've been seeing more articles that say 20 So I'm going to just assume. Uh, I've only it could seen be milestones, right? Because it will be 20 and they have an, an extra 10 which you will receive if they're reaching X. A milestone could be so happening. Yeah, or 10 could be in numbers. debt, 20 yeah. in equity. Could yeah, one, one article just said, you know, Wander raises thirty million. All the rest are saying twenty. So I'm just going to uh, ten, yeah, ten so... more or less. Do you see the difference? Will no? Huh? Ten more or less? What's the difference? Right? Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. Average, yeah. average week. One or two employees. Not, not much. Um, <laughs> In business development, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it's a lot of money and we see more and more investments continuing to flow into the vacation rental space. Uh, we saw one or two in the hotel world, but man, it really feels, and I've even seen articles lately that hotels are going to start building these mixed concepts properties where it is a hotel layered with service departments on top of it, layered with potentially co-working or, or some other draw to the building. And, you know, that's something we've talked about on the show for a long time. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. It's recession proof. It helps, um, you know, cut down on risk and drive up revenue. So 
I'm excited to see that next wave of properties. Cause if I'm going to Miami by myself, I want a hotel room. Yeah. If I'm going with my family or with friends, I want an apartment. I want my own room, but I also want, you know, a shared common space. Yeah. So uh, I, I love the direction the industry's heading, you know, development takes years. So we won't see, you know, some of these developments be spun up for two, three, four years, but it's exciting to see they're, they're in the pipeline. They're thinking about the future and next time a COVID happens or a recession happens, you know, these, these units can be flipped to long-term rentals and you want to talk about sustainability in travel. A hotel room can pretty much only be a hotel room or a podcast recording studio or a co-working space. It can't be, no one wants to quarantine in a hotel room for a month. No. Um, just not enough space. You, you'd go bonkers. So well, I know, uh, I know me and Matt from, uh, me and Matt from Muse, the CEO. So he and I were talking uh, not too long ago on the podcast and going into the side of reinventing the space, the best real estate of, a hotel which is the lobby which is never used really unless there's yeah. a lobby bar there's all this other stuff um it may not be recession proof in the sense of like covid uh if like you know you have another big covid pandemic thing happen um you know but you can't shut down the bar if it's also the front desk amen so you know but did you ever realize how many people you're working from the lobby bar right that is it's full with people just with the laptops on their uh on their knees or on the on the desk, and I think they're not even prepared actually for for those services. So I think hotels, when they're innovating and really focusing more as well on uh, indeed remote works and getting people there for extra revenues, and indeed using rooms for several. If you just have a video call, maybe for two hours, use the room upstairs, right, and just yeah. and then go downstairs. So I think that's actually going to happen as well. I think. Well, I didn't listen to the podcast with uh, with Matthias, but it hasn't come um, out. It's, uh, it's okay. Uh, that's why I didn't listen to it. Yeah, but it, but it eventually thinks. I think if the technology is really ready for it, and you can say, I just book a room for a few hours, and we discuss it in the past, the day, use those kind of things. Yeah. And indeed, when you're just focusing more on remote spaces where you could work, and you need a room for a few hours, and those things are easy to book, there's yeah. huge potential there, and you're moving into a different concept than than hotels. <laughs> well, we need we need to uh, we need to utilize space differently, other than just nightly revenue. I think. You know, yeah. companies like Peer Space, which is, you know, heavy, you know, vacation rental properties being used for day activities such as model shoots, podcasting, video shoots, whatever yeah. you want it to be. I think we need to start looking at space in a different sense of revenue rather than nightly. Uh, One of my favorite companies that, that has totally looked at space differently. Shout out to another Dutch company, Ross, the Student Hotel. Yes. Um, yeah. Super cool use of the property. Peak yeah. travel season is summer. Students are gone. You can convert these dorms into hotel rooms. Like it checks a lot of the boxes to minimize vacancy, maximize space. You know, the same things students want in their, their dorm. That's amazing. The yeah. traveler wants in their, their flat, right? I well, want to go mix, and play right? ping pong because yeah. I love playing ping pong. Um, I need a space to, to study or do work. I need a space to relax and, and have a beer. Like these are all things that travelers and students alike want. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that's really a, a model I, I hope gets replicated by a lot of people. Um, and they're doing extremely well. And we took the team three years ago. We took the whole team to Amsterdam. So everybody else from different countries, or they say around 70 people. We stayed in a student hotel in Amsterdam. 
But indeed, the guys had fun. They could play some ping pong downstairs. There was a nice bar. In the meanwhile, we gave a company presentation. We had a nice, uh, nice space where you can give some presentation. The rooms were cool, right? And it's mixed between students. So there's a lot of energy going on in there. So no, uh, they're yep. doing extremely well. So Jennifer, thank you for the question. So the franchise model in vacation rentals, you see companies like Vacasa or V-Trips that are buying yeah. other companies in different markets and just rebranding it. Uh, and it's owned corporately. The franchise model, you're buying a market and that is your market and you're paying uh, a percent of revenue for shared services at the corporate office, whether that's accounting or marketing distribution or guest management. Um, it, it helps take off some of the, the work that could be a shared resource where a local market might not need a full-time accountant or might not need a full-time revenue manager, but that stuff can be done by corporate. You still own the market. You still own the P&L. Uh, you just pay a percentage of revenue, uh, typically six to 10% um, of revenue to the corporate office. Some examples of those, uh, iTrip, Skyrun, Casago, uh, those are the big three. Casago is definitely the biggest of, of them. V-Trips? Um, Do you mean I-Trips I or V-Trips? I-Trip is a franchise model. V-Trips okay. is an ownership. They own it all. Okay. So I-Trip, Skyrun, and Casago are, are the, the big three, the, the most well-known doing it. But a lot of companies are starting to pivot into it. Um, there's Grand Welcome is starting to do a franchise model. Uh Home time out of Australia. Shout out Dave Thompson. What's up, brother? Um, there's a lot of companies pivoting into the franchise model because it really is a hyper local business. You need somebody local and passionate about Breckenridge and passionate about Myrtle Beach and passionate about whatever. So, uh, but you need the expertise held by the, the flag or the brand to take care of the the stuff that's hard to scale in a local office. So um, if you think, if you've heard Simon Lehman talk any in the past year and a half, two years, he agrees. This is, this is the future. A lot of the operators are talking about it, whether they've jumped into it or not, but great question, Jennifer, appreciate uh, you chiming in. Awesome. It looks like we got another comment. Yeah. Yep. Well, if you want to feel free to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn or something, um, and I'm happy to put you in touch with some of these franchisees and and hopefully you can get uh, the advantage of, of scale. Sure. Well, I think if you talk about friendships, I think more if you see the general approach, I'm not sure if it'll work. I think you will be more focusing on specific niches and sustainability echo related even if it's hotels or maybe even apartments or a specific kind of uh, wish list, which is focusing on only families, for example, specific band, or for example, in the looking at the hotel space, maybe only castles, castles, or maybe only boutique hotel style. So I think you will see more niche brands coming than a general approach, which you can, it doesn't make a lot of difference sometimes from an Airbnb or something. Yeah. Agreed. I, I saw one that was only eco hotels. So like very remote, but very eco responsible. Yeah 
properties. So people will will start traveling in the niches that that they like and enjoy. And if they're very passionate about travel, but also being green, you know, the the eco routes one. If you want to be feel royal and and have some history, then you know, I'm sure a castle brand will pop up soon. But we'll find out uh, how these how all these franchise models tell a story and, and fold in with one another. Um, you know, a lot of it is having simply having direct bookings. You know, that's where Marriott's yeah. better than everybody else. People book direct Delta better than everybody else. People book direct because, because of scale. And if you're a single market, you can only market to the guests who've stayed in Breckenridge. Yeah. But if you've got a, a traveler database from 40 markets across the country, then it you're going to get a lot more direct bookings if you're if you're any good at it at all. Yeah. Uh, then and that saves you 15 percent, 15, 20 percent. For sure. No, I, I think. Uh, yeah, it just makes sense to outsource the, the stuff like you said, Michael, the, the accounting, the marketing, some tech and distribution and all that other stuff. And then just really focus in because I think that gives off that gives you as an operator perspective and, and Jennifer knows and I know and and a lot of the people that we know that watch this show or that are in our networks just know that it's easier to focus on the guest experience where you don't have to deal with a lot of the back end stuff. Uh, if you can offsource a lot of that work, great. Do it. Make it easier for you to exceed five star service and, and to keep growing growing the brand. So it's just a good route to go. Um that's kind of getting close to wrapping up the show and I'm just kind of curious for I guess final thoughts and questions. Do you do you guys think that because we kind of touched a couple of different topics? Obviously, geographic location for companies matters, uh, especially when it comes to growth and quarterly earnings uh, for public uh, traded companies. But then also this remote work thing, I think, is getting into such a big, bigger space than you know expected. Everyone kind of was saying, "Oh, remote work, remote work," and everyone's going remote, and it was just like becoming a very big trend. That companies are trying to do in order to probably recruit let's be honest the, the workforce is not easy to get right now so when you're trying to recruit what are you going to do you're going to advertise all these these trendy topics that uh workers are usually kind of working looking for so what do you think is, is this going to become more adopted or is this just really a fad to get us over this hump and then you know do you think companies are going to start making people come back to the office no, if we're looking at our approach, we keep it flexible. So, of course, we see that uh, we want to still have this interaction. People have to put a switch on the cameras, really. But really, I try to get them to the office a few days per week. But we are also recruiting now quite a lot of people, for example, in different countries. We hired now two in Spain again. So, fine, right? Which is which is perfect. And uh, past weeks, I was away. I was I could imagine a few years ago that I'll, I'll be away a few weeks from the office and work remotely. Now it was was really easy to do and you see more people doing this. So yeah. it will stay like this. I think people already get used to it too much and uh, for sure it will stay. And even I think it will be even better and more flexible and as, when we should, when the lobbies become better and really workspaces, I think it will be even uh, yeah. more interesting. That, to that said, I'll, I'll leave, we'll, we'll wrap up with one little data point that I, in a natural biz dev role, 100% agree with. You are 34 more times likely to, to have a request granted by somebody if you ask them in person versus over email. 
34 times more likely. Mm. So face-to-face matters. Business will get back to it. It will be done in person as it always has been. Technology helps bridge the gap a little bit, but it's still 34 times less effective than being in person. So with that statement, does that mean we're not going to work remote at all? Or do you think people are just going to start traveling more working remotely um, without being at a headquarter, you know, for. Yeah. I, I think there's the, the fully remote is going to probably run back a little towards where it was in 2019, where yes, there's still lots of people fully remote and those people will travel more, but I think people will be started to get called back into the office. They might have more flexible schedules, work from the office three days a week or something, but uh, yeah, in-person matters. Company right. culture stays us also is super important, right? Yep. Well, I was going to say, maybe this is a good topic for next week. So if you're listening live, watching live, you should uh, send us a message uh, in the comments or via email. You can do will at slicktalkmedia.com. And uh, send us your thoughts. Let's uh, let's maybe get a little debate going. Let's see what uh, the industry really says from different uh, different markets, different industries outside of vacation rentals and hospitality. I'd be very curious to know. So that is uh, that's it for today. Happy Monday. See you guys all again next week. Smart locks, smart thermostats, automation, and a solution for any hotel and vacation rental company. Our show partners at Operto are the leading solution for operators to enhance their operations by integrating with your property management software and making sure that all your smart devices create a contactless guest experience while streamlining your operations. So don't forget to check them out on their website, send me a message, or just let them know that we'll sent you and you are in good hands. So get ready to enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast and check out operto.com or go to the podcast website and see our partners page.